0: Hey there, hepcats and cool kids. This week's episode is sponsored by RLJE Films and director Ivan Kavanaugh's son, available now on demand, digital HD, and in theaters. There is no cure for true evil. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's Emil Hirsch and Halloween's Andy Matachak star in this shocking and new twisted horror film. After a mysterious cult breaks into Laura's home and attempts to kidnap her son, he becomes extremely ill. Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but she must decide how far she is willing to go to save his life. Watch Sun in select theaters on demand and digital
1: HD today. Go to sun.official.film to find the theater nearest you. Well done, Scott. Well done. Thank you. Now it's my turn. It's another day, so that means it's another chance to tell our KingCast Cotet about the wonders of the super fancy and highly collectible Fangoria magazine. Fangoria has been the reigning king of genre publications for 40 plus years. I grew up with it. Scott grew up with it. We all grew up with it. And the magazine has never been better. All articles are exclusive to the physical magazine and will never appear online. So you know you're getting your money's worth when you sign up for a subscription. And as a bonus for being a KingCast listener, you can even get a hefty discount. You can save 25% off your annual subscription. And all you have to do is go over to Fangoria.com and enter the promo code KingCast at checkout. All of that said, on with the show.
2: Hi. My name is Stephen King.
1: The ice is gonna break! Bad guys
3: gonna go see a dead body.
0: But well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespey. And we are your hosts. We are very hyped about this week's show, folks. Uh, today we've got another double header, and I think it's pretty much guaranteed to be entertaining. You'll know our first guest from his work in Steven Soderbergh's The Informant, The X-Files, Community, a ton of other great projects. But you'll next see him in Happily, the featured directorial debut of our second guest, which will be available to rent everywhere on March 19th. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Joel McHale and Ben David Grabinski. How are you gentlemen doing today? Thank uh, you. Right.
1: Thank who, is, who is clapping for themselves right now?
3: Ben was clapping for me. Thanks, Ben. No. I,
1: uh, I can see the audio wave file here. I, I think that might have been a little white lie. Oh, just a real
3: big expert on audio. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm Joel McHale, mm-hmm. uh, and you were just hearing Ben David Grabinski, the director of the movie. Right. It may be confusing. Right. I'm doing a Ben David impression. It's, it's very not- good.
3: You got to work on it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to start this podcast in the weirdest way possible, so here we go. Uh, yeah.
0: I-, I would like to add to that by looping back around to something I said a moment ago about Joel having appeared in Steven Soderbergh's The Informant. This is not a question. This is just a thing I want to say to you. I think that movie is one of the funniest fucking movies of the past 20 years or so. I love it. I watch it like probably every six months. It's one of my favorites.
3: watch it, but go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Maybe I can talk him into it. But I, I just think it's it's deserving of being mentioned alongside the other great comedies of the these past couple of decades. And uh, uh, I'm not going to disagree. That it's
3: I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm in a piece of crap, which I've been in a lot, but uh, that one is one of the best things I've ever been in. And Mr. Soderbergh was brilliant in casting a, just a huge cast of comedians. And in what is, could be, you know, a subject that's pretty heavy, especially there's a lot of stuff about mental illness and corn and <laughs> wild <Like> story. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and uh, both Soderbergh and Matt Damon, were, after they read that book by Kurt Eichelwald, were like, this is a comedy.
2: One of my favorite things about that movie uh, is that there were drafts initially where it was a thriller, like a Michael Clayton sort of level thing. And I guess at some point, and, and um, I'm working with Mr. Soderbergh on a different thing now, and I think. Damn, got- name drop. But the point is, I'm like the Chris (laughs) Farley show because I think I drive him nuts because I'm always just like, hey, remember when you made The Informant? But it was a thriller at some point, and he just said, this should be a comedy. And the choice, the decision to make it a comedy instead of a thriller is so brilliant to me. Mm -hmm. I feel like most people would have developed it as a thriller with this twist ending. But instead, it's, it's just a really funny movie. And the funny thing is, the more times I watch the informant, I always forget the extent of what he did. Like every time I'm like, no, there's no way. Oh my God, all of this is a lie. <laughs> and then I always forget what he was also doing on top of it. It's just a brilliant character study. I um, also left out a bunch of stuff that was in the book because Stephen
3: was like, yeah, no one would believe it if we put it in. And, like
0: what? You remember?
3: Yeah. I mean. Uh, Mark would, uh, or Matt, Mark, the character would dig holes. Uh, He'd he'd wake himself at like four in the morning and dig huge holes in his backyard looking for tunnels. (laughs) And the pro, and he was like, he was like that. He just thought that they would, the audience would find it insane. Like they would just be like, it's just too much. He's just so crazy. But he did that because that house which was also not mentioned in the movie that the connection, but the, uh, Andreas family used to own the house that he lived in. So he thought that he was being bugged and they were walking in tunnels underneath him. He, they were just like, we can't put that in too much.
0: The confidence that it must've taken for him the first time he went out to the backyard to dig like, Oh yeah, the tunnels definitely right under here. And he sticks the shovel into the ground is uh yeah, level of confidence i don't think i'll ever achieve it's uh
2: <laughs> the it's w- funny uh the mm-hmm. reason joel is in happily is literally the informant because when uh, i like it's
3: four what the hell
2: <laughs> no, actually, Joel has a. Do you still have that expensive bottle of champagne that has like "Spy Kids 4" written on it in jewels or something? Absolutely, I remembered seeing that at your place and thinking that is the coolest, dumbest thing I've ever seen. Someone, but it's has.
0: like it's like bedazzled, or it has actual.
2: It is
3: literally, but yes, it's bidet. If they had put the actual diamonds in, that would have been great. I would have sold it a long time ago. But no,
2: it's, <laughs> I think you know. I think the point is when I say that you have a bottle that has real jewels on it, you should just follow that story, even if I'm wrong. No, uh, it
3: makes me look humble and like I have humility. If I like, no, 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 I have a whole bag of jewels in another room, but that one. Is- <laughs>
2: I'm currently writing a, a Jewel Heist movie that's about someone robbing the bottle of champagne from Joel's house. And Joel, Joel will play himself. It'll be a great movie. I'll do it. I'm going to Jeff Fahey as Joel McHale. It felt, like, really appropriate. You no, know, <laughs> to circle back, I can already tell this. There's going to be no through line to this podcast episode. I, like, I don't even know oh. what
3: he said. Circle back. I don't even know what he's circling. So back.
2: To circle back... Uh, <laughs> I got a call from Joel's agent when I was casting this movie and he was like, I really think Joel would be great for Tom. And I hadn't thought of Joel when I wrote the script, but the first thing I thought of when he said it was the informant and how, like, I love like kind of the boy scout kind of earnest vibe that you had in that movie. And that was the thing that made me feel like, Oh, well, you know, you could totally sustain that for a whole narrative because in general, you know, I don't think this is a uh, shocking observation. You know, you do tend to play people who are funny and sarcastic. <laughs> and, stuff,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and that's not Tom at all. And it just felt like, Oh, well I'll just take advantage of what Soderbergh did and just, you know, seem really clever. Like, Oh man, I just thought this was a fun idea to make uh, Joel play like a super nice guy.
0: Cribbin from the greats.
2: I can't believe I name dropped like four minutes into the podcast, but was, I you was
0: know, 30 seconds in. But we'll, if do I, a, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a final tally.
2: once this. If I didn't it. do that, why would people keep listening? They need to think I'm important. Yeah, true. Right. Well, um, you
0: directed a movie. We've both seen the movie. I loved it. And I just think it's really admirable that you sat down and said, I'm going write to write and direct a movie that will be borderline impossible to describe easily in the press tour <laughs> that goes along with this with this movie and you did it buddy like i mean you killed it on that front so i i wish you do you have a canned answer in response to that
2: it's funny my real idea was, whatever anyone says it is or what genre they say it goes in i go yeah correct because if someone's <laughs> say hey <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm it's not my job to tell you what genre happily is. It's just it's up to the viewer. I, I have so much faith in the viewer and their take on my movie that it's just they can decide for themselves. Yeah. I mean it's, it's, it's
1: clearly t- torture porn though. We can't
2: oh, don't, yeah. don't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, decided, I decided
3: it was a western early
2: on.
0: Oh yeah. Joel, what's your canned response for what this movie is about?
3: It's a western. I just said Very, it. Oh <laughs> okay. I didn't realize that was the whole response. Uh, I do. Uh, there's some of the talking points that they sent that were pretty funny. They were like, "It's a killer thriller," and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Jesus, no, it's um, okay." I'll see how that one goes in the interview. Um, this is a true story. I, don't know. I just say like it. Yeah, yeah. It's a true. It's a bio. It's an autobiography. Uh, uh, what do I say? I just go like uh, it's two, about two people that love each other uh, very much, and things go pretty crazy. And uh, Steven Root shows up, and a really a bunch of other funny people, and just and then I tell them just I was like, don't worry. Then I'll do what Ben does, and I'm just like, don't worry about
2: it. Just see it. You know, I was really happy with our trailer <laughs> because it tells you everything and nothing, so you're prepared exactly for what the movie is going to be. A lot of people watch it and say, oh, it shows the whole movie. I'm like, it's not, not really. Like, it's sort of hard. Without context, I don't know if any of that stuff really means anything.
3: No, I didn't think it was spoiler. I did. When I saw first saw the trailer, uh, and this goes back to what you guys were saying about the visual visuality of it. Mm, not a word, but uh, Very but good. I was like, oh, this looks like we $10 million was spent on it, and that made me so happy. I was just like, oh, people might be tricked and be like, oh, this is like a regular, normal studio movie, and then maybe... Going to be, that
1: sends out champagne with jewels on it.
3: Yeah, they're going to be... I like that they're going to step into something they are not expecting.
1: Right.
2: Well, I had a really nice experience in the fact that almost everyone who's seen the movie or has seen the trailer, the reaction tends to be, oh, wow, I didn't know it would be visual, which which is a nice way of saying, oh, I thought you were just a writer who was directing so no one would change your words <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to being like a, a real sort of filmmaker. All all issues of quality aside, you know, to me, I always felt I wanted it to be very kind of a heightened cinematic movie, and most people who read the script kind of thought it would just be a mumblecore sort of not-lit movie with actors talking to each other in like a cheap location. (laughs) But, you know, I I think we did sort of pull off a trick of making a uh, low-budget movie that looks like we had money. which. I think is like uh, cool in and of itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it could be really deadly making a, a low budget, one location movie and in a single house, you know, you go to Sundance, you see a dozen of them and you realize uh, just how hard those are to pull off. And uh, to, it's a testament to what you guys did in this one that I never felt trapped inside. You know what I mean? It, I never felt like, like uh, the scope was small on this, on this. You, know where you,
3: can, you watch those movies and you can feel where they're saving money.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
3: um, yes yeah. This one d- definitely does not feel that way. I'm now. I'm just complimenting you, Ben David for <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I don't know when this is airing. It's, ben it's, David hates compliments. It'd be it. hilarious. It's just it's a hilarious precedent for someone to listen to this before watching the movie. So it's like, oh, they had no money. They Don't know how to describe it, it doesn't fit into one genre. Yeah, I'm gonna play to watch that. <laughs> I'm in. Let's get the let's gather the family around and watch it. Not to put too much behind the curtain, uh, you know, they usually do send talking points for when you're doing press to talk about your movie, but for some reason, almost everything for re- sent to me is going into my spam, so I don't even know what anyone wants me to say <laughs> to my movie. So I'm just you know, I'm going rogue and I'm just going to tell you. I'm really proud of it. I made exactly what I wanted to make. And I think Joel is good in it. Um, I would give him, (laughs) I would give him Three
0: stars. Solid three stars. Wow. Uh,
2: And I I think the real important thing in the movie is the needle drops. Like it's just, Mm. you know, I think people should watch it for the music and everything else is secondary. I bet when I find the talking points, it's just going to be verbatim. What I just said,
1: (laughs) (laughs) whatever you do, don't mention the needle drops. Yeah. well, the now, thing, People love
2: going, Wow, well, the movie was, I don't
3: know, but I like the soundtrack.
2: I, but I feel like that often. It's like, I didn't know what I thought of that movie, but that song was really good. It's funny what you mentioned earlier about being stuck in a location. It, I was very conscious of that. And if you actually think about it from a perspective that the average viewer is never really kind of think about, I have like 10 different locations in the first reel, which is sort of, A way to make you feel like, oh, okay, this is not a movie that where you're going to feel trapped and it's repetitive in one location. I think that's kind of a mistake a lot of these movies make, which is they get to the location immediately and then never leave it. Not that my movie is better than those hypothetical movies I've not named.
0: That sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, are we talking about Lawnmower Man? I can't remember.
2: Yeah, (laughs) is that Lawnmower Man takes place in one location, uh, cyberspace? (laughs)
0: Well, before we get to your chosen title, which is, in fact, Lawnmower Man, uh, I'd I'd like to know each of your Stephen King origin stories, which is to say, when did you first become aware of King's presence in the pop culture landscape? we'll start with Joel.
3: Oh, great. You had Uh, no time to prepare. I'm trying to think of when, like, everyone, growing up, everyone knew The Shining and um, was like, it's the scariest movie since The Exorcist and you got to see it and uh and all that and it was really scary and i saw it really young but i didn't think uh as a third grader or a fourth grader go like mom i just saw this very interesting stephen king movie i didn't that's <laughs> how i process but i will say this can be very odd uh i'm gonna preface it because if it's not odd then just say that oh, was an odd joel uh in seventh grade i fractured my skull skiing thank you and uh, I wasn't allowed to go to school for like three weeks because they were worried my brain was going to leak out. You know, I had a severe concussion and all that, and I am a very ADHD person, and I can't focus on many things, but for whatever reason, during that three weeks, I was able to focus, and this is seventh grade, and not only did I put together a, like, glued together a very complicated model of a World War II plane, thank you, uh i had like all the time to like the concentration to do it but i read christine and uh i wasn't a kid that read books cover to cover and i never I, to this day i have to use audible which is the greatest invention of all time and i read christine cover to cover and i loved it and i thought it was uh like i was like one of the best book experiences of my life. And then, of course, I, the, the movie was I, about that time was coming out. And the great Keith Keith Gordon, uh, now director, and um, he was also in. He also directed The Chocolate War. Thank you. Uh, and so uh, that's my experience, and which began a love affair with me really not reading many books after that. Are you a horror guy in general or no? Sure. But it's not... Again, I guess it goes back to what Ben David was saying. I don't really have like I need to go see that thing because it's a horror film, but no, I so I don't. I don't know. I am so scattered as it is that i I just kind of end up seeing stuff. Uh, but I do, I do. I guess I am more attracted to sci fi than than not. And mm-hmm. but I, I I like horror films, and I'll you know I think they're like anything where ninety percent of them are okay or suck, and then ten percent are magic, right? And then my other, it's not a great story, but I have an original copy, a hardbound copy of the Bachman books written right. under his pseudonym. And uh, and I remember thinking like, this is going to be worth a million dollars. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's worth like 30 bucks. So I'll, I'll it's, take
1: it. It's, it's actually going up in value because there's a story in there called Rage that uh, he won't allow to be published again because it's yeah. a, all about a, a kid that... Yeah. Goes into class with a gun and uh, shoots his teacher, and then there was a, a school shooting where the the kid had that book in his locker. So King mm-hmm. pulled it. Just saying that's uh, that's extra collectible now because it that has a story okay. that won't we'll ever go into print. It's and not-
3: literally kept it in a Ziploc bag on the shelf just <laughs> well, in case, you know.
1: Well, the, what you want to do now is bedazzle it, make it mean,
2: of talking, special. I'm deeply annoyed with you, Wampler. I was trying to do that. Cool thing where I don't talk over someone on a podcast, and I was going to wait to have a bedazzled punchline, <laughs> and now I've got nothing. I was I was like, no one else is going to think of that. I was
3: like, you stole the bedazzled line, but still did the interrupting, which makes it very cool. Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> Look, I don't know how to promote stuff. I'm just trying to actively make people dislike me before they've even considered watching my movie. Come on, <laughs> they already okay. disliked you. Come on,
0: <laughs> Ben David, what's your Stephen King origin story?
2: Well, the first time I saw The Informant, I was in Virginia. <laughs> it was yeah. Google, Continue. Uh, and I was just blown away by the performance of Joel Mc- Okay, so Stephen King. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. Um, but if something was on TV and edited, my parents would let me watch it. So my whole thing was, oh, well, everyone at school has talked about this movie. But when it's on TV, I'm going to check it out <laughs> so I can be part of discussions. And one Saturday afternoon, I remember exactly where I was, like everything about it. And I don't remember most of my teacher's names. As I remember watching The Shining on TV, you know, I could sound hyperbolic and say it changed my life. But man, that movie just, it fucked me up so much. (laughs) It was, it was like the first if I if I remember correctly, it might be the first real scary movie I saw. Like I'd seen mm-hmm. stuff aimed at kids that was scary, like I'd watched, you know, Gremlins and uh Ghostbusters and stuff that was like horror adjacent. Something, jaded and something wicked
1: dead. this way comes, you know, that wow. kind of great era where
2: Exactly. Yeah. they
1: made horror movies for horror movies for kids. Or Watcher
2: yeah. in the
3: Woods, one of
0: my Yeah, or Midnight yeah. Cowboy. I get you. Uh, I get you. A
2: or The Informant. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the first thing I'd watched that was like meant to scare the shit out of someone. And it just, it, it blew me away. And it and there's something about it that like, you know, in hindsight, when I look back at the way like I watched movies or, or what I took from them, I, I realized in hindsight, there's like a lot of things that I learned. Um, or I was internalizing, but I couldn't really articulate as... I just remember feeling like how bright it was and how it was still scary and how it felt just, he didn't lean on any sort of usual horror things. It's not like the the mood, it's still somehow very moody, even though it's like the, this mostly like kind of normal looking thing. But I, and then after that it was one of those things where I, I read some of his books. I can't remember what I read first, I do remember the first time I ever read something that had, like, sex in a book was It. The It two-parter was also the scary... Like, for some reason as a kid, I thought it was scarier than The Shining. There was something about Pennywise in The Great or the bathroom scene. You know, all those TV movies that they made, you should watch as a kid and then never revisit because they were so perfect back then. Like, I fucking love The Langoliers, and, like, I just know... (laughs) I know if I go back and watch that, it's just not going to even remotely. <laughs> oh so, yeah, oh yeah, I can, I can, oh, yeah. this, I can, is, like, I can assure how, you of that. This is how in the bag I was. I mm-hmm. remember liking the <laughs> network version of the Shining. I mean, what year did that come out?
1: Ninety-seven.
2: Uh, like 19- I think like ninety-seven. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, it was like the last year where I could figure that out. Eighty um, or
3: eighty-one, right? So
2: you know, it's, <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast with a. Uh, Quentin Tarantino yesterday. I'm name dropping a podcast I listened to. Bam! Uh, and I laughed so hard because they he someone asked a question like, "Oh, what year did that come out?" And then the host says, "Oh, I'll look it up." And he's like, "Fuck you! My mom could look it up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, you, if you just know it off the top of your head, you're a piece of shit.
3: <laughs> like, I remember when I read Christine. That was also this mention of sex, but the sex was was after they had lost their kid. The kid died. Yeah. They said what's her name? The wife. She's like, I think she's using my penis as a sleeping pill. Like, and I was just like, as a seventh grader, I was like, what kind of a, what are they talking about? It's how- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not how I'm imagining how sex goes. It's the most exciting thing <laughs> in the entire planet. And how did you go to sleep with that? What the hell?
2: That was that. And You so- know, I, those movies, all the TV movies, I just, I love them so much when I was growing up and the shining came out and I was like 14. So I was still young enough to think it was pretty good. <laughs> then I, I watched some of that recently and uh, actually li- after listening to your podcast and uh, no offense to anyone involved, but like, yeah. holy shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it is the most nineties thing that could possibly exist. Uh, and I love
2: just the idea of people being in video village thinking guys, we fixed it. We're doing the right thing. <laughs> that Kubrick
1: yeah, Kubrick fucked he, it up and we yeah. got it now.
2: <laughs> I, I don't even, there was a Shining
3: remake?
1: So, oh, yeah. So yeah. Joel, you
2: may not know this, but Stephen King hates The Shining because it departed from the book so much. Um, and so they did a TV version that was mainly like, this time we're going to do the book. And it, it they
1: shouldn't have. Yeah. Stephen Weber, Weber played Jack yeah. Torrance. Yeah. And, and Rebecca, Rebecca de Mornay from... is Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. I, Wow, I really, boy, did I. What year was this?
3: <laughs> I think we just covered that. I think
1: it was 97.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I was very busy. <laughs> You yourself said a moment ago it was 97.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: I was talking about the original.
2: <laughs> uh, no, so, my favorite thing about my entire life of being a Stephen King fan is so one time I was like on a road trip and i read a new book of his and i read it mainly like in two sittings and i thought this is his best book yet and i loved it i love the dialogue i loved everything about it and then a movie adaptation came out and i was so amped because one the matrix is i was obsessed with the matrix and there was gonna be a matrix short film before it and two it was like lawrence kasdan and all these (laughs) people and i was a huge like Jason Lee fan from all of his Kevin Smith movies. And like the cast was just incredible. And you got like Morgan Freeman and Tom Sizemore. And I went opening night and I was, I just honestly was like as excited as I've been for a movie like this. And I just remember about 10 minutes into Dreamcatcher thinking, wait, this is the same as the book and it's bad. Wait, I liked a book where like people shit out aliens. (laughs) That's what, wait, that's the book I read? What What am I watching? It's <laughs> like real sort of uh, crisis uh, or almost maybe nervous breakdown where I was like, this, oh man, why did anyone like this book? Why did they adapt this book? Why did I like this book? I had this yeah.
1: I'm glad you like the book, man. But the, the movie ain't ain't all that different from the book. So, yeah. yeah.
2: It, on the page, when someone says, Jesus Christ, bananas, you think, wow, what a line. But when you hear it out loud, <laughs> you just, oh, no.
0: To bring okay, Duditz into our world and put him on the big screen was maybe not the, the best choice for that
2: movie. Yeah. And in the whole movie... Jason Lee is a, plays a guy who's addicted to toothpicks, which is not a thing I've ever seen before. It, so you could think, yeah, that's that's cool because I haven't seen it before. But I, I think we need to
1: see this movie. There's Jesus. a reason we didn't oh see it. Oh my
0: God, before. yeah. You absolutely need to see it.
1: Oh, Thomas it, Jane uh, talks into a gun like it's a telephone. At one yeah,
2: point. and so in the and it works. bookings are called Ripley and then Morgan Freeman, his name was Colonel Kurtz literally in the book and then they uh-huh. changed it to... Colonel Curtis, Colonel Curtis. Like they're like now we fixed it. We just won't have him literally called Colonel Curtis. (laughs) And it's like the DP of Fury Road. Like everything about it, it's just like it's like an all-star game. But then everyone had food poisoning.
1: Yeah, (laughs) written by William Goldman. It's uh, it's got the it's got the prestige, but uh, boy, does it fall apart.
2: Yeah, I was really hoping we could talk about that, but I found a movie much better for us to discuss (laughs) eventually. Yes. We should get to that.
0: Uh, we have talked on this show a few times about how Stephen King is not uh, great when it comes to sci-fi. You know, Dreamcatcher being a prime example.
1: Lawnmower Man,
0: I don't know if we can lump it into that
1: uh, we argument. We sure can't, because his original story has nothing to do with science fiction. Yeah. It's more but, of, it like dips into fantasy. Yeah.
0: Right. But it is a science fiction movie. So, you know, that Stop is my...
1: arguing, guys.
0: That is my segue into introducing us to the subject we're here to talk about today, which is the Lawnmower Man. Can uh, either one of y'all tell me a little bit about why you chose this title?
2: Well, I chose the title mostly because I wanted to force Joel to watch it. Um, <laughs> Joel,
3: it yeah. I was definitely forced.
2: And my favorite uh, thing about it was I, I told Joel about this podcast maybe two months ago. And I don't know if you follow Joel McHale on social media, but you'll realize that he is doing 10 things at a time all day, every day. Uh, well, yeah. So when we came back to it, I was like, remember you have to watch a movie before. And he's like, what movie did you suggest we watch? Oh, uh, River Wild. <laughs> I was like, no, the point of this podcast is there's a specific movie you have to watch. Cause it's about Stephen King. And, and I, and I think his response in a text was, Wait, what?
3: <laughs> I had no idea what this was about. I was like, do this podcast about movies. I'm like, great, great. I'll do it.
2: Yeah, great, great, great. Yeah, it's, it's a long line of me saying Joel should do something and he just does it, which includes the entire motion picture happily. Uh, so you have to watch this movie, Lawnmower Man. And he's like, okay. And I texted him when he was supposed to be watching it. I'm like, are you okay? Did I kill you? And he, to this day, has not responded or told me what he thought of it. So I'm really excited. to. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because I watched it last
3: night till 2.45 in the morning. Yes. Um, That was your first viewing of the movie? I had never seen that movie. (laughs) Were you aware of it even, like as a thing? Yes, definitely aware just because, you know, it came out at a time when you could
1: not avoid movie promotion.
3: Right. And so uh, I,
1: yeah. What was running through your mind when you start the movie, and it begins with a ten-minute segment about a, a chimp escaping in a VR headset, escaping a facility? Did you was that the movie you were expecting to load up? Yeah, no, I was like, isn't Matthew Broderick
3: supposed to be in this? <laughs> when, did they, when did they when did they get into the rocket? And what's happening? Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I did go into it going, I don't think this is going to be very good. I kind of knew that it was not the greatest. So seeing the monkey with the helmet on uh, definitely primed me to go, here we are. I have two hours and 17 minutes of this. And- oh, no. Oh, you the watch the director's cut. <laughs> oh, I the
2: director's cut.
3: I couldn't find the other version. Oh, no. Every, the only version available pretty much is the director's cut. And...
2: I got it on iTunes, and I and if you hit play, uh, it started to play the two-hour, 20-minute version, and I realized that, and I paused it. I'm like, thank God I noticed. I feel really bad now that you watched the longer version. No, I'm, no, no, no. no. This, I, is a good, this is a good
3: opportunity. I will do anything to promote happily, including watching two-hour. The director's cut of Lawnmower Man. Um, this is a good opportunity,
0: though, because we've discussed Lawnmower Man on the show previously, but not the director's cut. And I've still never seen it. So, uh, Joel, would you mind doing the honors to explain what the Lawnmower Man you watched is about to our listeners?
2: Uh, i just say before you do it, it was so worth making Happily just for the awkwardness of now Joel having to explain <laughs> the plot of the director's cut of Lawnmower Man. Continue.
3: I, I've never been happier is the thing. It's about a, a guy who was looked like he was cast in Biodome. Um, with his hair yeah immediately as he was playing the slow guy you knew immediately i always like well he's gonna be a genius because the slow guy is super hot and super good looking guy and it's just a matter of time before he is a genius and then you get your pierce brosnan smoking in bed Mm -hmm. and he's again eye candy and um you know he's fresh off of Remington steel coming into just about to be James Bond. So we're getting, we're, they're getting a deal on him. <laughs> uh, he has an earring. Yeah. And he's got an earring and he drinks a lot. Uh, his
1: shirt is open a lot,
3: uh, <laughs> which uh, I'm, you know, a fan. And so and then, he doesn't then,
1: take uh, his wife to the mall.
3: does not because, and she just wants to go out with friends and yeah. she does. And then, uh, and then later on, she's basically a, like a robot, which is, I don't know if that part made it into the non-director's cut, but... Uh, wait, wh- wait, what? There's a whole scene with her going like, hi, how are you? And she's all dressed up like and like a 50s housewife in the director's cut. I don't know if you
0: know what? about
1: that. Is that yeah. theatrical, Eric? I don't, no, I don't. I don't think not. so. And <laughs> then yeah, she, that's,
0: that's new shit. Yeah. Yet another
3: KingCast exclusive. And then she gets machine gunned. You,
0: is that what?
1: It? I, I I think Joel might be playing with us a little bit here.
3: I am so serious. I am <laughs> no. dead serious. I am Who machine serious. guns her. Uh, one of uh, Dean Morris's henchmen. <laughs> uh, as they come to the house, she she shoots one of them when he's like, "Is your husband home?" Yes. Blam 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 blam, and he's dead. And then the other guy opens fires, and she's dead. And then. And then uh, he comes out as a huge golden floating head and then turns them into little balls. Holy that, shit.
2: that part is in the regular movie, the big golden head one. Um, but I,
1: right. I don't remember the wife getting killed, though. Maybe no, in, not, not at the all. Thing.
2: I think well, in the, there's only the theatrical- five extra minutes in this director's cut, so there's got to be stuff that we've never heard of.
3: Yeah, oh, it's, it's there. Uh anyway, as you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's a it's, it's, it's the crappy matrix. And um <laughs> and uh they go into it's interesting cuz what year did it come out? 97? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh all movies came out in 1997, Now, When was this one? It's like early in was like uh, uh,
1: 93 like oh, Yeah, somewhere in there. Some it early 90s. It's
3: easy to think if this is 92 93 to think that the matrix came out in 99. There's a whole Johnny mnemonic in between these two. Right, it's just crazy to go like, "Whoa, that was a leap in technology." Uh, Anyway, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, the this for some, so the the experiments on the monkey didn't really work, and the monkey got you know uh, that huge failed experiment of uh, the brilliant scientist that is Pierce Brosnan. Then he starts through a bunch of happenstance things. The not so smart guy. He he goes into the matrix or goes into virtual reality and starts making him smarter. And he's got a kid friend and they play games together. And then he's getting smarter and smarter and smarter. He eventually uh, starts having sex with a woman from Near Dark, and um, <laughs> and that's that's a, that happens a lot in the director's cut. And uh, and then at one point she goes into the uh, virtual reality with him and then can't stop laughing, uh, and she forever laughs. Uh, I don't know that, and uh, so I was like, well she seems to be full of joy and uh, you're not going to believe this things go wrong and eventually um, uh, people die and there's an explosion and he's lost in the in virtual reality and everyone's kind of okay. what I don't get because the, they live in a super nice neighborhood but the the kid has an abusive father who eventually is killed by uh, Mr. Fahey. what's his name in the movie Doug? Job, 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 <laughs> Job. Doug, 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 <laughs> Doug, the lawnmower man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like, but she the mom. Like, so they live in this, which I think is like a super nice Pasadena neighborhood, big lawns. I mean, that's why he's lawnmower, man. But the mom of the next door neighbor who lives in clearly a very expensive house drives a very crappy Trans Am, like
1: totally beat up, dented, Really old. It doesn't make any. That's the. That, that's <laughs> where I was like. That's the. That's the one. One place in the movie that lost you. Well, I, I, like, I hey. think
2: director's cut was all about why her car had a big dent in it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, they need another cut because it was definitely not explained. Anyway, that's the. That, then, then the movie ends, and then somehow they got a sequel. All
2: right. So I want. I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell Joel what the original short story is because I'm pretty sure he didn't read it. Joel, oh, have you yeah. read the short story?
3: Yeah, it's my favorite. (laughs) Uh,
0: So
2: you're gonna love hearing about it again.
3: Now we're gonna describe. Oh, I'll see how far away it went. This is why Stephen took his name off of it.
2: Yeah. So the original short story is about a guy who loves beer and watching baseball. And one year, he paid a local kid to mow the lawn, and the lawnmower, through a series of events, accidentally kills some pets. Uh, It like runs over them. So he sells his lawnmower to make his wife or the owner of the pets happy and then proceeds to not cut his lawn for like a year. And he eventually thinks, okay, I'm going to just hire a local kid to mow my lawn. But instead, he is shocked to learn that there's a business that mows lawns. (laughs) And he reads it in the phone book and he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Only children should be mowing lawns. Um, (laughs) So he calls the company. And then a guy shows up and is like, I'm going to mow your lawn. And he says, cool. And then, and then he hears the lawn being mowed and he looks outside. And a lawnmower is working on its own. It's not being operated. But behind it is a naked guy eating the cut grass. On so the all fours. Guy- so the guy calls the cops and then the naked guy kills him and it's over.
0: He leaves him dead in a birdbath. Yes. So that's yeah. so
2: that is the lawnmower man. So some so they read that.
3: What about the part where the priest is whipping the the <laughs> guy with the
2: belt? That's not in the story. Literally nothing. So what happened was I uh, watched the making of this morning. So I'm going to like a lawnmower man expert in the <laughs> 70s. A horror guy uh, optioned a bunch of different short stories of Stephen King's, uh, and they all had some sort of mechanical element to them. And he was going to cut make an anthology movie. And then nothing ever happened. And then another company bought the rights from him. And then this guy, Brett Leonard, had made a horror movie. And he was living like in Silicon Valley. And they said, hey, we're going to make a movie based on this short story. And it's going to be about a serial killer who turns his victims into fertilizer. And he said, I don't like that. But I know a bunch of people in Silicon Valley. And I've heard of this thing called virtual reality. I want to make a movie of that. And they said, great, and hired him. And then he wrote a script <laughs> that you have now seen. And Stephen King uh, was really mad that they were using his name when it's not about a naked guy eating grass and sued them. And so it's illegal to say Stephen King in the same sentence as Lawn Mower Man the movie, which is why we've all also been sued. But on the, on the making of it's the funniest thing because every time they want to say Stephen King, the talking heads – will say, Well, the original author of the short story, and they only call him the author, they never say his name because they can't even (laughs) they can't even in the making of mention that it was based on a short story of his. Like he just it must have been the most like ironclad lawsuit. I'm really hoping Ryan Murphy's next like people versus OJ Simpson is gonna be Stephen King versus New the, lawnmower the, lawnmower <laughs> <of> the Lawnmower
1: Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I did, did a little. I did. Sorry, I did a little research, uh, and I'm pretty sure that Stephen King, he's made a lot of money off of a lot of his uh, movies, and he sells them for, you know, he takes a giant millions and millions per. I think the Lawnmower Man is the movie he has singularly made the most money off of, specifically because of the lawsuit. Because what happened is New Line he sued it, sued him for theatrical release and. Uh, and made some money, and then on uh, VHS, they put it out, and all the VHS advertisement was Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, which put them in contempt of court, so he sued them again, and made, I think he made something like $13 million uh, off of New Line, uh, because they broke uh, uh, the the previous order. And New Line must have been,
3: New Line must have thought, well, yeah, we're going to lose again, but we're going to get so much extra
1: money by putting his name on it that let's just do it, Right. Either that or somebody was just dumb enough to not think about that. The video advertisement was tied to the that's theatrical why,
2: That's why I can't tell people happily was based on a Stephen King book. Right. Me, Because I changed Langoliers so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, if I can interject here for a second, I think Eric, we should drop the uh, baseball noise every time Ben David inserts a plug for happily uh, into casual conversation. Definitely. Yes.
1: All right. I'll I'll be ready. I'll be ready. All right. You're gonna you're gonna love this, Ben David. It's
0: good. Uh, and my my only note on Ben David's telling of the short story is that you left out the Greek mythology part. Where, <laughs> like the guy's like what he's like pan or something, right? No, he, yeah, the the service
2: is like people to pan. Isn't
3: that that's referent or that's said in isn't that said in the opening credits or something that it's about pan? I don't know. You watch the director. Maybe cut. the director said I mean, it's mentioned in the movie somehow. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, they mentioned that. That's in my brain. The
1: movie has the bird bath uh, mention where the detectives are talking about finding the dude. Because I think it's all the abusive stepfather or the abusive father of the kid, right? He gets killed yeah. by the lawnmower. And like, pretty much that little section, you can almost tell they're like, well, we kind of have to put some of this in here. So here's like three pages of the eight page story is uh, is just kind of shoehorned in the middle of the movie.
2: Wow. It's you know, the greatest lawnmower sequence in movie history, not counting the straight story is definitely honey. I shrunk the The honey. I shrunk the kids thing. That is a great set piece of like <laughs> the kids trying not to be uh, killed by a lawnmower like a plus. Um, I really hope that the new honey. I shrunk the kids has that. Has a uh, giant cookies that kids are on. Let's just talk about the new Honey I Shrunk the Kids, right? I really need to watch the old one first. Just um, watch the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <Okay.
2: laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, look, I'm trying to have no cohesive thread through this whole podcast. It's working. Have you
0: heard this podcast? There's never a cohesive thread. Come on.
2: Uh, I don't. Um, so is it, is it, I,
3: it's not like a director at all to try to control it, right?
0: <laughs> not at all. Uh Joel, Look, what did what did you think of fahey's
3: performance here? I thought it was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh I was like he I didn't really know that guy. I mean other than that I was like oh he's from Lost and um mm-hmm. for the challenge that that guy had and for everything that the mayhem of that movie. I was like this guy is keeping it together in every scene and and I was as he slowly transitioned into a genius. I was like this guy's good. He's really good. And it was uh, very threatening. I, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I was like, he was great. I was pretty impressed. I would have more trouble with, I just love how it's always, you know, like a Pierce, Bros- someone who looks like Pierce Brosnan is, is a, you know, like a nerdy scientist. <laughs> and he's, as you said, he's got a, like an earring. He's got the, he's got his hair is long down to his, like his cheekbone and he's super attractive. So I'm just, that's a harder uh for me, but I thought Faye was great. And I was, to, I thought I felt bad. I didn't feel bad, but I was like, "This guy has this huge opportunity to be a huge star." The movie's not great, and obviously he's a very good character actor. But uh, so I, I liked it. Did you guys like it?
0: I did. We have sort of a theory that Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder may be oh. based in part on Job from the Lawnmower Man. You know, because he's wearing the, the overalls. Yeah, yeah, he's he's basically dressed like him early on, and that's essentially what Fahey's doing early in the movie. He's like he's simple jacking it up you know Sorry. just not you know Sorry. perhaps not to that degree
2: but uh that's that's certainly what's going on there I um think giveaway was in tropic thunder when they kept saying never go full lawnmower man yes like, wasn't that like the big joke they keep saying in like every scene yeah. of that movie I
1: think yeah that's mm-hmm. a meme now <laughs>
2: Uh, But I'm 100% sure that it was based on that. Someone, whether it was in the the costumes or Stiller himself or I don't know who, someone somewhere was like, hey, have you seen Lawnmower Man? It'd be really funny if we just make you look like Lawnmower Man. You know, the the weirdest thing about Lawnmower Man to me is that he's named Job. Because if you're going to take any character from the Bible or any kind of well-known name, why... (laughs) The story of Job has nothing to do with this. Job is a guy who like God and the devil um, had a wager like trading places. And uh, the devil is like, hey, I bet if you ruin this guy's life, he won't love you anymore. And God's like, right. no, he will. So then God like kills everybody in Job's life all, and all of his cattle and like just he's a total dick to him. And then he's like, all right, let's see if he still likes me. And Job's like, I love God. And the devil's like, oh, fuck, I got burned. And, like, so that's the story of Job. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with this? Like, and I just, you just keep thinking, like, it it feels like the people who made it were like, isn't Job like a famous Bible character? And they're like, ooh, that'll make it more mythic. And no one, like, there was no Google then. There were there was only virtual reality, but there was no, like, yes. way to search things. And if they had, they might have thought, oh, this isn't really applicable. <laughs> like hmm. it's a cool sounding name, but it's like, it actually confuses any sort of subtext that the movie has because Joe becomes God. It's almost like an inversion of the Job story.
1: Hmm.
3: And then there's the, I don't know if this version ended up in yours, but where, uh, mm-hmm. Fahey and Pierce Brosnan are fighting at the end in virtual reality. And Pierce Brosnan ends up on a, like a cross is that, was that in the movie? Like he's uh, on a silver cross. as a, like a
0: crucifix?
3: Yeah. Uh, that not <laughs> ringing a bell. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole thing. And he traps him on it. And then eventually he lets him go.
0: Let me ask you this. How, do, how exactly does the director's cut end? Five, final five minutes. What's going on there?
3: Oh, boy. It was pretty late. And I had a couple glasses of wine. Um, sure. You're a professional. Place, yeah, the whole place explodes. Uh-huh. Uh, and he is uh he went in the whole thing was like oh well you decided not to be in the physical world so now you don't have any power since you left the physical world you don't need power to control people anymore and he somehow let him out and he's just screaming looking for a way to get out of the facility virtually they trap
1: him in the network and which eventually
3: he does find one way to get out yes while they're escaping. And for some very odd reason, D Norse's men had brought like 15 bombs to his house.
2: And in a the box marks like explosives.
3: Right. And he's like, Oh, this is great. And he picks them all up and puts them in a bag. And then it's the most explosives that anyone is just kind of driven around in a van. And uh, they blow the place up and everything's pretty much fine. After that, that's that's the end. Uh, and Does then, it
1: end with the phone ringing?
2: Yeah, all the phones ring at the end. That's right. right. Okay,
0: yeah, that's, that's kind end. of what I was getting it at. Was I was curious. Thing,
2: I love that ending. You know, I don't. I, I'm not even going to say if the movie's good or bad. It, it, it's sort of just a lot. But for me, <laughs> the you think thing the movie's love? Are you saying the movie's movie, good? No, I just <laughs> I not, I'm I'm just I'm going to be a neutral party. <laughs>
0: Ben David, just tell us, why do you love this movie so much? Uh,
2: I just love mowing lawns, and I love movies that have confusing allegories based on the scriptures of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, It is, uh, that ending, though, I think is really great. Like, I love kind of apocalyptic, ambiguous endings, like, you know, Halloween 3 and a lot of other stuff, and just the thing of... You know, the setup and payoff of Joe being like, once I blah, 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 I will announce my presence by all the phones in the world ringing at the same time. And you're like, that won't come back. And then it does. <laughs> it's... It's uh, I think it's just, I think it's a genuinely fun ending. And then the other really important thing I want to mention is that I keep wanting to call the kid, Brian Austin green, the kid from Last action hero. And I'm like, why do I keep thinking that? What's his name? Austin. His isn't in is Austin it. O'Brien. Yes. So it, it feels really rude that he had a name so similar to BA. It's almost just like, they're like, we want to call him Brian Austin green, but we can't, that's already been done. What are we going to call him? Uh, Austin O'Brien, like it feels, you know, too close. I, mm-hmm. I think that
1: kid, that kid had like a window where he was in everything for like two and a half years. It was like this last action hero, um, My Girl Two. He was the new Macaulay Culkin in My Girl Two. Wow, uh, and he was in the this like really shitty movie I had on VHS called Prehysteria, where it's like him and a bunch of little dinosaurs. Oh yeah, you know, like there pocket-sized dinosaurs.
2: Yeah. pre and remote were awesome, and I will not ever watch them again for the same reason I'm not going to rewatch any stephen King uh network t v movies because I thought pre all three of them were dope oh my
3: god mm-hmm I have no idea what you guys are talking
0: about. pretty <laughs> pretty pretty damning statement joel uh, I'm curious if you've ever had any experiences with v r <laughs> Have you ever strapped on the helmet? Have you ever entered
3: cyberspace? Write this down. Uh, yeah, my son <laughs> one of my sons loves uh, VR. and He plays it all the time. He meets his friends in there, and they they uh, do all sorts of stuff. And uh, uh, Oculus. Uh yeah, they love the Oculus. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. And, it's it's uh, fun. He's got one that plugs into the big old gaming PC, and um, he loves it. He's there a lot. I worry though that he's when he enters, he might not come out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you, you worry oh, he's gonna in run into, into Jeff he Maybe i just glad the phone doesn't ring. uh <laughs> Oh so, yeah, no, I mean that's my. I don't really do it. Uh, the one time I played paintball with him in it, uh I got like I was like I'm gonna be physically ill, and he's like <laughs> stop moving <laughs> around so much, and I was like people <laughs> shooting at me. uh Yeah, so I've been playing. Uh, I can play like you know Fortnite and Call of Duty and stuff like that. So I um, um, do on the Xbox.
1: So I I uh, I want to have a little detour here, Joel. You probably have no memory uh, of this because you meet about fourteen thousand people a day. But uh, I met you on the community set uh, around season three. I was writing for Ain't It Cool News at the time, and I I came to visit you guys while you were shooting. And I just wanted to take this moment to talk about how like genuinely nice you were because you kept coming up to me and thanking me for coming out because. The show didn't have a budget for promotional stuff. So I like I, I was a fan of the show, so when they said I could come visit, like I flew out to LA and I I I did all that stuff and I guess they had told you that and you just like every single I don't know hour or so you would like come up and just go, Thank you so much for coming <laughs> coming and doing this. And it was like the nicest thing. Oh, wow. Uh, you caught
0: yeah. me on a good day.
1: No, would, huh? would have you been.
0: have been so gracious, Joel, if you had known mere years in the future. <laughs> You would be forced to watch the two-hour and twenty-minute cut of Lawnmower Man by that same person.
3: I, w- I will say I would have murdered you then. <laughs> and that would have stop stopped, that future. That would have stopped the line. And um, uh, no, I I don't remember, of course, uh, but I will say I was I know in my brain I was very appreciative of people that knew the show and liked the show who came to report on it because the the number of times. Idiots would show up for the set and be like, wow, the show is just so great. It's one of my favorites. And I'd be like, oh, that's great. What's your favorite episode? All of them. Oof. And, and there, or they would go, for those of you that, for our viewers out there who haven't seen the show, please explain it. Please tell us about it. Oh, and then, Jesus. And I would be like, why would you? I, I, there was a side of me. I was like, I get it. You're a busy person. You come to, but I was like, if I'm doing an interview on a red carpet, I get that you don't know the things that I'm on. That's fine, whatever. But if you're showing up to the set, you should put in at least, I don't know, 20 to 40 minutes worth of
2: research. (laughs) Watch watch the director's cut of Lawnmower Man before doing a podcast. You (laughs) could watch a couple episodes of Community. Yeah. Watch the
1: paintball episode at the very least. Yeah, oh, no, I put, and I would describe other
3: television shows to people <laughs> and they would not blink. And I, got, <laughs> and I was like, well, as you know, this show started off with us stealing a German submarine. And <laughs> as you know, all the controls were in German. So I, my character was screaming about that. But that's how the group came together. And they would be like, mm-hmm. Or I'd be like, well, I my character was a truck driver and he had a monkey. Uh, and he would kind of go around the country is the monkey's name was bear and my name Ooh. was BJ. and I would just give more than the number fifty percent of the time the reporters would just write it down. Uh, Holy and, shit and, and, and then I because for a while I would get angry. I'd be like, just name a single episode that you have
1: ever watched of the show. And then someone would go like, "All right, I haven't seen it." I'm like, "Okay, let's just start from there." That's cool. yeah, yeah. Be honest, yeah. No, I totally fanboyed out. Like, I, I took a picture in front of the vent where Annie's boobs lived for a season. Nice. You know, I mean, you know, I, I was I was there. I brought I brought the real shit. Um, and I also got to have a great Chevy encounter too, which was like the top top tier thing. I was interviewing Donald and uh, uh, which was also an amazing moment because he's when they brought me up to him, he was like, obviously, like he had his headphones on. He was like writing lyrics out. And I'm just like, oh, I'm watching, you know, a Childish Gambino song being born, you know, or something. So it, it was the whole thing was great. But as I'm talking to Donald, it was a fine interview. I, I haven't looked back on it, you know, I'm, but I'm sure it's fairly standard you know talking about the show uh but then the middle of the interview um somebody walks chevy up to me and introduces him and uh and as i'm recording so i have the audio of this i'm talking to him and then uh, uh chevy walks up and he goes hi you know chevy this is eric and he goes hi i'm sybil shepherd's vagina yeah. And uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Joel, without yeah. missing and without missing a beat, uh, Donald said, Oh, you look different than I thought you would <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he notices the recording and goes, Is that recording? And I said, Yep, and he goes, Swell. <laughs> oh
3: then, uh, Yeah, I'm sure I'm surprised he didn't fly into a rage because
1: Donald had such a good um, Comeback.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so right. i have a similar story, which is that I visited Community multiple times because um, I was a huge, huge fan. And um, one of the EPs, Neil Goldman, for some reason had read some of my stuff and really liked it. And he'd seen that I would tweet every week about how Community was like my favorite show or whatever. And he was like, hey, you should come visit. So I visited set and I was...
1: Joel doesn't remember any of that either.
2: Well, you know, you're ruining the punchline of it, which is... I met Joel multiple times, and he was always the nicest guy in the whole world. So when we I met him to see if he – to have our first, like, breakfast, talking about him being in Happily, I was like, hey, man, you probably don't remember me, but we met on the set of community. And guess what? He didn't. And uh, no. I think
3: – I can that,
2: barely remember shooting Happily. I mean, look. I,
1: well, I mean, that's like, my favorite thing. Joel wasn't was
2: one Phil was on a podcast uh, promoting Happily the other day, and he did a lot of things about <laughs> uh, Rob Cohen's stealth, not remembering that there's a stealth joke in my movie. Like Happily definitely the only major motion picture. I, I can't. I can't
1: keep doing. I can't keep doing the ballpark thing.
2: Happily the only major motion picture <laughs> stealth <laughs> um, directed by Rob Cohen.
0: What what uh, movie are you talking about? What movie did you direct? Stealth.
2: Stealth. I directed Stealth.
1: Oh
0: yes, uh-huh. I recall that one favorably.
1: I, I don't don't think. Also, I didn't notice the uh, the MacGruber uh, nod in the movie as well.
2: Um, Stealth has my favorite special feature in the history of home video. Uh, there's a huge featurette about the score for the movie Stealth, and in it, Rob Cohen explains his theory of making movie music, and he says. Um, I have the half-step theory, because the, the greatest composers of all time weren't appreciated while they're alive, and that's because they were too advanced. So, what I tell great composers is come up with your idea and then take it a step back, a half step, so that you can be appreciated while you're alive. And that was our approach for the score for stealth, because we didn't want people to like this score after our death. <laughs> like, what in the living fuck are you talking about, Rob Cohen? I mean, Rob Cohen also has this great thing on the triple X commentary where he right. talks about... He no, shoots- no,
3: no, no, I, we've, all, we've all listened to the XXX commentary. Yeah, well, mm-hmm.
2: obviously, so I'm really sorry if this is redundant information, but Rob Cohen uh, would shoot action scenes with multiple cameras, and he said he was inspired by cubism, um, and that was his approach to shooting what? action scenes, was that he would shoot with several cameras at once As if that had never been done before. (laughs)
3: At some point did the interview, did Rob go, I'm just kidding. I was super fucking high the whole time.
2: (laughs) No, that's, Rob Cohen is a joy uh, for how to give perfect interviews. And he was a real inspiration to me. And that's really how I've conducted myself in this podcast is just trying to live up to that. (laughs) Well, you'll get there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could actually make an argument that uh, Lawnmower Man is inspired by cubism. They they, they fucking turn people into shapes, geometric shapes in this movie.
2: Well, I think the people who made Lawnmower Man use the half-step theory because they're like, (laughs) for the entire thing. He could have made a masterpiece, but it would have been liked later. So instead, let's make this. Or five steps back. Ben
0: David, you bought the Lawnmower Man for this uh joel you watched the the wrong version Uh, i'm curious what your interest level would be in seeing the sequel to to lawnmower man which is lawnmower man 2 is it job's
1: war it was released under job's war and then they changed it as like the cyber wars or some some shit
3: and what cast member is held over that oh the old there's only one the kid the The
0: kid. kid not brian austin green in the sequel. Uh, Job is played by Matt Frewer of Max Headroom fame. Um, looks absolutely nothing like him. Talks nothing like him. He's doing like a Jim Carrey thing throughout the movie.
3: But was it a was it a, like a wide theatrical release? Or was it more of a... Oh, a, no, 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 no. This was, was like a, a... Yeah.
0: This was... We still had the rights. We made a lot of money on the last one. Let's pump another one out there on on DVD. And as well they did. I, I, I feel like lawnmower man you can't really say it's a good movie particularly the theatrical some of the stuff you told us joe about the director's cut has me really curious to see it now that sounds like a more interesting version of this movie certainly less butchered if there's like another 20 25 minutes in it Um, Oh,
3: it's it's, it's long
0: (laughs) (laughs) as you found out at 245 in the morning yes i'm paying for it today but i kind of uh I don't know, man. I I I appreciate Lawnmower Man now more as like an oddity or like a, a a cult thing than I think I used to, which is sort of where I'm at on like maximum overdrive. I used to the the my common perception of those movies was like, oh, these are pieces of shit. But in doing this show and revisiting them and then talking to people that are like really passionate about it and hearing their rationale for that, which doesn't always hold up. Under scrutiny, it does make me appreciate them more. So, I don't think I hate The Lawnmower Man. I wouldn't mind watching The Lawnmower Man. It's like you're never bored watching it. You know, there's always some weird bullshit going on. It starts off with a monkey in VR goggles running around. You know, how can you not love this? I think it transcends the idea of bad, good. You know what I mean? It's
2: funny because that's how I also describe happily. I feel like
3: <laughs>
0: it
2: transcends the idea of bad or good and just exists on its own plane of virtual reality it does you know uh, I, yeah. um happily,
0: <laughs> ha- happily is a, a very difficult movie to describe and to like communicate the various <laughs> tones of
1: it uh, I, <laughs> I,
0: I can only do that
1: when Ben David is plugging it
0: that's true but that does that does work as a good segue into
3: our uh, closing segment here where we
0: Hold
1: on. it's not a good movie
3: not it's <laughs> wait lawnmower. lawnmower man well yeah there's some like d- when you're
2: talking about our movie when you said
3: that. <laughs> t- oh i'm talking about both uh no uh like a maximum overdrive to me is in, to this day uh is very still very watchable but um with lawnmower man there's like a, this I'm sure Brett, the director, is a very nice man, and I'm sure there's a lot, but it is, you can feel how big Hollywood it is. Everyone, like, there's no bad, I don't like, you look at it, it's like there's no bad performances, but it's just got that kind of laborious, very dated feeling of like, this is a movie that was made in this time with all the little special little tricks and it's not great. And, uh, and boy, and maximum overdrive to this day, I'm just like one of the greatest. So, uh, uh <laughs> I legit I, love maximum overdrive. I yeah. can't yeah. believe it hasn't been turned into an HBO Westworld like show. Well, I've really come alive when you said maximum overdrive. Anyway, getting back to, uh, yeah, if I had known that was an option, we would have had you talk I, maximum and, overdrive. Is it, is it, is it really a cult hit? Is it like a campy thing where people go back to it? Like, for example, Near Dark, that we're like, oh, this movie's interesting and it's different and it's weird. Or is it just like it's definitely got a l- bunch of crap in it? But it's, it's not are, as, we, we're, are we we're we're talking Maximum Overdrive? uh no, I'm talking Lawnmower Man. Like it's a cult hit, or is it more just kind of like, hey, that was a thing that got
2: made? Well, I, Near Dark is a masterpiece, so I don't think it's appropriate to bring it up within the ball. No, I'm saying
3: that Near Dark is it's a small movie that obviously gains momentum every mm. single year. Whereas Lawnmower Man is a thing that was plopped in in a certain year, and I don't think I don't know I haven't met anyone yet that goes, "Hey, we're going to that outdoor movie theater. We're watching Lawnmower Man." That I don't know that one. I don't I don't know that yet. Maybe maybe there is. But well, I, the I time, think that time capsule
0: element of it though is sort of a selling point. You know, this that movie made a fuckload load of money, and it was because people were blown away by the special effects at that time.
3: Oh, you know, you
0: and so I think there. And I and I think there's a similar thing with Maximum Overdrive and Lawnmower Man, where if you saw those movies at a certain age, you know, like when they're playing on HBO in the middle of that afternoon and you're watching them over and over again, like I think there is a sense of nostalgia for some people and for King fans for. For those movies, even though King has his own Lawnmower fans. and
3: the ones he made thirty million dollars in suing them to kiss. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> for King fans and for another author who shall not be named in relation to the Lawnmower Man. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not. It's not reaching. Definitely not reaching the heights of like this is a misunderstood classic. You know, genius. Right. Right. Uh, movie. Uh, but yeah, there there is the nostalgia. Hit is is uh, coming around on it, and it was all tight around the Scream Factory Blu-ray that came out. Like I saw a real big bump in people going, you know what? This is actually kind of fun. Okay. I would
2: say it's like an oddity that like people revisit. But as a guy who goes to repertory theater theaters back when the world was normal and you could multiple times a week and sees everything from, I just saw I saw Maximum Overdrive before COVID, like at the Alamo Draft House in L.A. I don't think it's ever been played anywhere. I feel like if it played like in the Egyptian, 12 people would show up.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: you know? Like it's not going to pack the houses. But again, as someone who's not saying if it's good or bad, um, maybe it will build up a base because, you know, every movie is someone's favorite, which is the wildest thing. Like mm-hmm. there's someone somewhere who this is their favorite movie and God bless them. <laughs> you know?
0: yeah. oh, there's one guy. We announced we were like doing a dream catcher thing at some point, And there's like one guy in the comments that's like, I fucking love that movie. And you're like, boy, you don't need to listen to this episode, dude. This is not <laughs> going to be uh, for you. Good time
2: for you. Well, yeah. that guy also probably has a toothpick addiction that he needs to address. <laughs>
0: that's true. This is usually the part in the show where we allow our guests to tell us what they're working on now, what they've got coming up. Can't imagine what that might be for y'all. But go ahead. What's happening on March 19th? Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I I don't know if you WandaVision comes out on that day. So
2: mm-hmm.
3: I, that one's not. And then uh, the boys on Amazon is really good.
2: It is wow. a really good show.
3: Oh, fuck. It's
0: so
2: good.
3: Uh, I love it so much.
0: Um, Actually, I do have a happily question for you, Joel, because I feel like that script, if I got that script, only a certain type of person would be interested in making it it's a very specific thing that this movie is doing. And it's very like, it's very strange. I know asking like, well, what drew you to the project is a really hack question, but what, what drew me to the project? Was it, was it, <laughs> was it the dark comedy? Was it the fucking weird? Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, uh, was the twilight so- zone out no. of it. Huh? It was the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, It was a $10 production, I understand. understand? It was
3: a payday. No, uh, why? Um, Okay, so I guess uh, I I read it. It took me way too long to read it because I didn't realize. I thought my agent sent it. They're like, read this for interest. And then they're like, no, no, no. Ben David wants you to be in the movie. I'm like, oh. And then I finally got around to it. So apologies again for that, Ben David. Uh,
2: I forgot that happened, but we'll address that later. Yeah, no. I I mean, it really just came down to
3: like, I liked it it seemed really interesting and funny. And he told me Carrie Bechet was going to be in it, um, that she was in the, that, or that was someone who I think uh, was circling it. And I knew she was really good. And that was confirmed after we were in the movie together that she's tremendous. But um, I, I, yeah. And then I had to, it was be as thing. It was just like, then I had breakfast with Ben David and then I was like, Oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, clearly. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It wasn't like, well, when I was six years old, I was trapped in a house. No, I nothing, nothing like that. But it was just kind of like, oh, this seems really good. I'd like to do it. And that's that. That's that's it. So, uh, And then Ben David did not disappoint.
2: Very that well. was actually the best thing about the process was if an actor read the script and liked it and wanted to do it, and I liked them and thought they could do it, it was the easiest process. Because if you're showing up on set and not getting paid anything – to make this movie then you get it (laughs) like you're like oh i'm gonna spend 20 days of my life working on this movie because i like this script well then i just knew we'd get along and that what really made the process very pleasant uh because everyone just inexplicably trusted me i mean that was the nice thing is like joel did take way too long to read the script but when he did read it uh we got breakfast like literally the next morning and it was nice because I felt like within 30 seconds of talking that he was going to do it. I think he just wanted to make sure that I understood what I wrote, <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> you know, uh, which I think is actually a valid question because there is times when, you know, you talk to somebody about a movie they made and you're like, that's not in the movie. I don't know what you're talking
0: about. Right. But
2: in this case, You know, Joel and I talked about the movie from beginning to end and it was, it was just a really good time. And that was one of the best things about it is because it was like my first movie and there's a ton of scenes of like 10 actors in it. And if they thought I was an idiot or didn't like the script, that would not have been a good experience. But luckily they liked it or everyone lost a bet that I'm not aware of. It's one of the two.
3: Yeah, I will say, and also now that that after reading it, I was like, oh, it's about a. I to this day, I still haven't seen a movie about a a couple that really likes each other a lot, and they find a way to work together when shit happens to them. And I was just like, oh, you don't really, you know, there's not many movies about just like, well, this is a married couple. Some bad shit happens, and then they're like, we're gonna figure this out together, and uh i was like oh that doesn't i i mean i mean do you know any movies like that i don't know no it's it's it's
2: interesting i don't think there's another movie that has like a couple that's been married for that long that has these because i always felt like the sex scene should feel like when you're watching a movie and a detective is like really into this possible murder suspect or people are having affairs and you have these sort of very heightened passionate things but having that with like a mundane couple who've been together forever felt like a thing I hadn't seen. And that was like my big kind of driving force behind the movie is it just, it just felt like a story I wanted to tell. And as, as much as there is kind of irony and dark humor and all this stuff, like I do find them really aspirational in that way. Like I, I I like just the idea of like, I just really do like the couple and I don't, I'm not like the couples in the movie who hate them, but um, I did, you know, I, it, I'm, like, I'm like having a really hard time talking about my own movie because talking about Lawnmower Man fried my brain. But I do think that's the thing that Joel and Carrie responded to the most is they, they thought that that couple and how much they loved each other was like a thing that they wanted to play. And I thought they both did a very good job kind of conveying that vibe.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you're right. It's, that's usually the central conflict. There's you. You always want to pit the married people against each other. The yeah. only thing I can think of is uh, the Thin Man series, where it's just a happily married couple solving crimes. There's a lot less sex because that was made in the 30s. Yeah, and, I was gonna uh, say not nearly as horny. Well, <laughs> yeah, d- d- definitely not as horny on Maine, but it is. Uh, it is a rarity, and I think that's the reason why those movies work back then, and you know, definitely why this. This film, which I won't name because I'm saving the uh, the ballpark horn for Ben David, uh, why your guys' film, you know, it starts off just from a, a place of freshness because of that. And uh, and it, it's a very cool move.
2: Well, that's, you know, for the inspiration for it at this in any other podcast, this will not land and this won't make sense to anybody. But I really like the parents from Poltergeist and I like the mm. parents from the OC and the parents from Friday mm-hmm. Night Live. And I love that they have this sort of bedrock uh, of like, they're the foundation of those stories and they don't have conflict with each other for the sake of conflict. And I was like, I want to write a movie where like those characters are the lead, but, and then the premise sort of came to me from that because there, there's just something very appealing about those characters and those couples but especially like the parents and poltergeist, like they're the best. Like there's so many movies where it's like, they add unnecessary conflict where it's like the parents might be getting divorced or they're broke or there's like these sad things going on. And I'm like, I don't always need that. Like sometimes it's just a haunted house and the parents get high and have fun, you know?
1: And And read books on Ronald Reagan. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. Actually, I do want to mention is I just rewatched Donnie Darko and, uh, That movie feels like a Stephen King adaptation more than almost any adaptation. And that's the thing that really struck me on recent viewing, since we're just on a Stephen King podcast and I've had too many tangents anyway. It just (laughs) really feels like a Stephen King book that you you never read. Like, if someone was like, actually, Donnie Darko is a Stephen King book, I'd believe them, you know?
1: Yeah, the the mom's reading it in that one, too. I, I remember... Like going, oh, there's obviously the Stephen King love being shown, you know, shown on screen. Just the acknowledgement of of uh, where Richard Kelly was coming from. Yeah.
2: I just think Stephen King's great. And someone should make a podcast where every week people come in and talk about either a book of his or an adaptation.
3: I don't know. I wouldn't ever be on that. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah.
1: Well, those we, those assholes might make you, Joel watch uh, the director's cut of Lawnmower Man.
2: Well, I need to make happily too, just so Joel has to come back and talk about too. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we know how it's going to begin. That's how
3: the
1: movie begins, and (laughs) you just got to recast Joel with Matt Frewer. (laughs) Though I think Matt, Matt would do it right. Matt, listening.
2: Oh man, he was in Steven Soderbergh's The Nick. Oh, Oh, that's true. I brought it all back. Somehow, I'm making this coherent.
1: Many have tried, and only Ben David has (laughs) succeeded.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here today. This was a delight. Uh, We wish you the best of luck. The first
1: half of the
3: podcast, the second half will begin right after these messages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I encourage our listeners to go check out Happily when it arrives on the
3: 19th. I was a big fan. And, I, do, uh, I do have to ask, Ben David, where do we – because they were like, it's available on VOD. And I was like, is there anything uh, – that's
2: – All right, so this is what this is how it works. Any is. sort of thing, way to rent movies on your TV, whether you're doing Amazon or iTunes or Roku or your on-demand cable service, you're going to be able to rent it anywhere that has that uh, for, I believe, five ninety nine which is a crazy good price, I think, Worth it. for ninety-five minutes of entertainment. Yes. You can also buy it uh, and, on iTunes, and you'll be able to hear my audio commentary if you got to the end of this podcast and were like, I need to hear more of that guy.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, no. <laughs> Once again, thank you all for being here today. This was great. It's Thanks proud. for
3: having me, and um, we'll be back next week. Okay, I'm trying to. <laughs> trying to promote. I'm, I don't know what even know what to promote. I'm trying. Where we talk about? Mm, I'm trying to think of a Stephen King book that's obscure. Well, you off. need to go watch Dreamcatcher, Joel. That's what you need to do. Community had a bunch of Dreamcatcher references. I will say that. That's a that's another name drop. I'm not kidding. There's Dreamcatcher references, guys. Look it up. Look it up.
2: Was it in the gas leak season? No.
3: <laughs> no.
2: Oh, I don't remember that at all. I went to rent an apartment once and uh, I met the owner and went home and he emailed me back and it was the showrunner of the Gas Leak season. So I'm like, I can't I can't live there.
3: Oh, wow. All right. Yikes. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, well thank you, gentlemen. This is this has you been should, a
3: blast. You should cut that part out. I don't care. Uh thanks you guys. Thanks for having us. And uh if anybody listening to this doesn't watch happily, uh you'll die in your sleep. Yep.
1: totally true (laughs) facts facts many thanks to joel and ben david for joining us and apologies once again to joel for making him watch the director's cut unintentionally i'm gonna lay all that on ben david's feet though he he was the one in a position to warn him Mm -hmm. and he should
0: have this is true this is true that is a that is a ben david problem and we'll we'll be addressing that with him now that this show has aired but uh yeah, that was a wild episode. A lot of crosstalk. That's crosstalk. The episode. Um, <laughs> we hope y'all enjoyed uh, hearing it as much as we had right. recording it. That one was a fucking. That yeah. one was a fucking blast.
1: Right. So I have a little surprise here. Uh, I haven't even told Scott that I'm doing this, so this is a surprise Ooh. for Scott. Uh, so you know, in that episode that you just listened to, I made mention of uh, meeting Chevy Chase and uh, having his. Very inappropriate first comment to me on record. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who dug up that audio and is going to play it for everybody right now? <laughs> oh, no. So this is uh, me in midst of talking with Donald Glover about something or another. And then Chevy Chase walking up and introducing uh, himself to me Holy shit. as Sybil Shepherd's vagina. So here we go. You ready? Yes. I've never been more ready. Yeah, I listen to this. You'll give birth. You'll, the baby yeah, yeah. Will be, the baby will be, baby baby and, be born,
3: <laughs> and it'll be good. And
0: yeah. out of the
1: nest in the same time. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if that analogy works. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Uh-oh. I'm
3: Civil Shepherds
1: of China. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you look a lot better than I thought you would. Eric,
2: <laughs> how's, how's it going, sir? <laughs> work hey, cool. You work for Ain't
3: Cool? That's the title of the uh, article now. Yes, let you know. I'm civil. I'm civil. China.
1: He <laughs> said as he walked down the. Yeah, yeah, but you have to lead with that, right? Yep. So there you go. <laughs> wow, 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 we So there you go. Yet another KingCast exclusive. I think Chevy might be canceled now. Uh, yeah, now he's gone.
0: I think he's been canceled a few times over there. So you know, <laughs> what's one more? He's
1: g- back. <laughs> what's one more? Oh, that was a lovely surprise. And now we should talk about what's coming up. We usually, at this point, tease our next week's episode Mm -hmm. and the Patreon bonus episode. So uh, I will start, and I will start by saying next week, uh, I hope you're not done with Job, because Job is not done with you. Uh, We are giving you a one-two punch of Lawnmower Man. We've covered the first movie, and next week we will be diving into... You guessed it, Lawnmower Man 2, Beyond Cyberspace, which was a title that we had very much trouble actually in this episode uh, remembering. But that is uh, that immediately is we after
0: we'd seen it was still was still still hard to navigate that one. Um, Job's
1: War is a much better subtitle for.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Y'all going to be Lawnmower Man out by the time this episode airs but we think it's a, a nice little bookend situation to have these two right next to each other and for this episode we brought in a guest who um well
1: he knows
0: quite a bit how the fuck am I going to tease this
1: um well he he is a filmmaker yes you can say that who's a director fans yeah yes. should know
0: Definitely, and probably,
1: probably the last person on Earth you'd expect to bring us this title, based on what you know about about this person's work.
0: Well, there's a slight connection to this particular mm. filmmaker's latest film.
1: I'm just going to stop right there. I don't believe either Scott or I had ever seen Lawnmower Man 2 before going into this, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, so we, we we're going in very fresh. This is all brand new to us in this in this next week's episode. So. This is also uh,
0: opening the door to future possible. I'm not committing to anything at this moment, but the possibility of future episodes based on Stephen King sequels. This one doesn't even count as a Stephen King sequel, technically, since he took his name off the first one. But, you know, we allowed it. So uh, whenever
1: Bronson Pinchot picks Children of the Corn 4, we can finally...
0: For for Balky, I will watch uh, one of the Children of the Corn sequels. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So and what's on the Patreon? Uh, this Friday on the Patreon, uh, you're going to get Eric and I's review of Stephen King's Later, which recently hit bookstore shelves. Uh, I think we both plowed through this thing in about one sitting. I guess there's no reason to tease our reaction. We both liked it. Um, yeah. And there's there's quite a bit to chew on here because... Um, It turns out later has some connections to uh, or at least one major connection to another major Stephen King work that will be available to you on our Patreon this Friday, bright and early.
1: So we got Lawnmower Man 2, uh, Job's War. I'm going to just call it Job's War. That's the better title. Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War next week on the KingCast main feed and this Friday Patreon bonus episode as we dive deep into Stephen King's latest book later. I will see you later scott adios folks the Kingcast is a fangoria podcast production the show is produced hosted and created by eric vespe that's me and scott wampler tira ansley and Abby goel are executive producers daniel danger is our art director and editing is done by yours truly